This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Equity Minds! I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you G'day Equity Mates, we're welcome back to another episode where we are following our journey of investing and whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. Now, if you have joined us for the very first time, a massive welcome. Welcome to the Equity Mates community. Welcome to the start of your investing journey. We do have another podcast, Get Started Investing, to get you up to speed if you're still feeling a little overwhelmed. Now, we are licensed, but uh, we're not aware of your financial circumstances. So any information on this show is for entertainment and education purposes only. Any advice is general. With that said, my name is Bryce. And as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. Great to be here for this episode. We are trying something a little bit different mm. this episode, getting a little vulnerable, mm-hmm. sharing our deepest fears, stresses, yes. or yes. you are. Uh, so we will get to that. And then we've also got a few questions from the Equimates community. But before then, Bryce, uh, a reminder for everyone that we are in the final days of our Equity Mates merch sale. Yes. We've got four shirts to choose from, uh, some crackers. We've got the black shirt with the Equity Mates logo that you and I are both wearing now. Mm-hmm. We've got a white version with an embroidered logo, mm-hmm. very high quality. And then we've got two more shirts, one with the OG Equity Mates logo. If you've been listening uh, for a long time, since 2017, you may remember it. Uh, the It's you and I riding the Wall Street Bull. And then finally, we have the FinFest unicorn shirt as well. If you loved FinFest last year, if you can't wait for it this year, you don't want to miss out on that one. Equitymates.com slash shop sale ends this week. Love it. They are running out the door. Now, Ren, uh, as you mentioned, a bit of a different format for the first half of this episode. Uh, we are excited to sit down with... Uh, Maddie from You're In Good Company, one of the shows in the Equity Mates Media Network. They're doing an awesome job. In fact, uh, their most recent episodes have been um, interviewing some of Australia's leading founders. Their most recent episode was with Laura Henshaw. So if you want to go and check that out, please do. And you're going to want to be subscribed to that feed because they have maybe the biggest guest in Equity Mates history across any of our shows coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, with not embellishing this, but they... Uh, one of the world's biggest, most recognised investors. Yeah. 
it's phenomenal effort that they've been able to secure this investor. So make sure you're subscribed to your own good company. But uh, we're joined by Maddie, who uh, challenged us to the idea of sitting down and trying to emulate the format on one of Australia's leading podcasts at the moment, The Imperfect, uh, a podcast that I hadn't listened to leading into this, Ren, which you had. So I was a bit nervous about uh, what was to come. Well, I am very excited for today because even though I set you guys some homework, only one of you completed it by listening to the Imperfects in advance. So Bryce is going in. (laughs) (laughs) Bryce is coming in pretty blind to this episode. But for those of you who don't know what the Imperfects is, it is a podcast hosted by Hugh Van Kylenberg, the founder of the Resilience Project. He is brother Josh Van Kylenberg and Ryan Shelton. And basically they interview guests who are willing to make themselves make themselves vulnerable by sharing their imperfections. So the way each episode works is that the guests enter what is called the vulnerability house and they are presented with three cards or prompts and they have to pick one to answer. So we did this a few months ago on YIGC and it was one of our favourite episodes to date. So today we are going to pay homage to the Imperfects with an investing twist and do an, an investing version of their podcast. So I'm going to give each of you three money-related prompts. Who wants to go first? You go first. I'll go first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any questions before we start? Are we getting the same prompts? No. Oh, okay, okay. And so the, the rules of the game for people who haven't listened to this podcast, like Bryce, are uh, you get three questions and you answer one of them. Correct. Okay, cool. I get to choose which one. And you get to choose it. You get to choose which one. So I'm going to pop the three questions into a doc now and I want you to read them out. I want you to tell us what you're thinking. Like speak I'm out loud nervous. your thoughts. Where's this doc? Yeah, where's the dot? I'm sharing it with you now. A bit of, <laughs> bit of patience. So these are all money-related questions. They are. Nice. Loosely. <laughs> Loose. <laughs> loosely. <laughs> all right, Doc well, is how through. How much money do you have? My heart's kind of racing a little bit. <laughs> I wish I did how much money do you have. That <laughs> would have been a good one. I don't know what. Um, okay, the three questions are, what is stressing you out financially right now? Nice. Is it your response? See, I did have to say live react. What kind of a live react is that? Nice. I know exactly what you were going to say. What? Oh, well, let's keep going. Yeah. Is it your responsibility to be a good financial role model to who? Anyone? Yeah. Okay. Um, that's too deep. I- <laughs> <laughs> that's the point of this. Uh, um- As leader of equity mates. <laughs> yeah, you- I know. That's what I was thinking. I was like... Okay. Um, who or what is currently influencing the way you think about money? Okay. Um, I think for that one, I think I'll go, It's because it's most front of mind, it is the what is stressing you out financially right now. Great. Yeah. Let's get into it. Okay. What's on your mind? We are in the process of trying to buy a house and... Um, and that's been something that has been a goal for a while. We being Harriet, my wife, and I, we got married in October last year. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Must have missed the amount in the mail. <laughs> yes, still in the mail. <laughs> and, um, you know, we spent a lot of time talking on the show about uh, growing wealth through the stock market and 
Um, and I've probably got more of a, 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 a grasp on that than Harriet does. And I think, um, you know, uh, for her, the goal has always been a house and we live in Sydney and the price of housing is incredibly expensive. Um, and so I think at a high level, thinking about the commitment that a mortgage brings coupled with the coupled with running a business is stressful I think and I mean what I mean by that is I would feel much more comfortable committing to a mortgage if I was in a corporate strategy job at Woolworths. (laughs) (laughs) All right. First of all, I'm glad that you're not saying that you are stressed about the business equity mates going under financially. So that's, that's a big tick from my perspective. (laughs) You look guilty, but anyway, we'll move on. (laughs) Do you think that your current sort of... It's funny you say that actually. That actually does stress me out. That's kind of what I thought you might say, But it's a different, it's a different stress. Mm if that makes sense. Why? Just, I don't know. It's a stress that is like, it's more like a, like the, like, we, like I know we can get through it kind of thing. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like I know there are options, but the stress of having like my wife involved in a decision that is tied like, and yeah, like I think it's for some reason it's different with having her involved in that, if that makes sense. And like making a commitment to a, a, a mortgage that if we then go bust, it's kind of like, <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I mean, the the rational side of my brain says there's you, – you would be, unemplo- you would be in, unemployed for weeks, like at most. Mm. Like Woolies would have you back in a heartbeat. Everyone we work with would hire you. So like there's really no risk. But it's scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also think it's the unknown of like what it actually. I think when we we're going through the process of buying a ha- or of going through the process of like getting pre-approval and those sorts of things, one of the mortgage brokers was like, "Everyone can put numbers in a spreadsheet and think that you know you can afford X, Y, and Z, but until that actually starts coming out of your bank account, and you're like, holy shit, this is it for thirty years, mm. and that readjustment of like, th- that's literally, I'm, I'm not going to be able to get that back." it's there for 30 years it was like a yeah you know we talk about not paper trading because it's not until you're in it that you understand how it feels and unless you like do a practice run of like let's pretend we have a mortgage <laughs> and start like yeah. farming money to a, just a random account to be like isn't that renting <laughs> if mortgage was the cost of rent we'd be cheering <laughs> Do you think, is it the sense of being tied down by the mortgage or is it the sense of not being able to afford it that makes you fearful? I think this is just, I I think it's like a combination of wanting to stretch yourself enough that you get a place that you're not going to want to, that in three years you're not going to be like, we need to sell. Yeah. And then knowing, and then that, which is fine. I get the idea of stretching yourself now if you are in like a job and a corporate job where you can see a path of pay rises mm. and promotions and it's like, okay, I, I know that if I just commit myself here for 10 years or five years or whatever, I'm, I'm likely to get an increase in pay so I can stretch myself now. We're, I don't, we don't have that certainty to be like mm. in 
a year in two years, Ren and I are going to be giving ourselves pay bumps. It could be we are cutting our pay so this mm. thing doesn't go under. <laughs> <laughs> and so that commitment is what's scary. It's like yeah. what is the right thing to do right now that is the nice mix of right place, right amount of money going out, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's the biggest mm. financial commitment anyone makes. Mm. Buying their first house up to that point, no one's had anything that big. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And then like it's also like we are both getting help from Bank of Mum and Dad, which is like it is what it is and very, very fortunate to be in that position. If I wasn't, I don't like if I was still single, I reckon I wouldn't be even thinking about a house right now, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, mm. yeah, yeah, just be stress-free. I'd just be pouring money into the stock market. <laughs> <laughs> Not financial advice. <laughs> How much do you think the rising interest rate environment has affected or not affected how you're feeling at the yeah, moment? Yeah, I've thought about this. I reckon it's a blessing. In, yeah. Yeah, I think that it, it, if we were looking for a house two years ago and had the means to do what we do now, I reckon we'd be way more bullish mm. on extending ourselves, way more bullish. We'd be like, yeah, we can afford that. Interest rates so low. RBA saying we're all sweet for two years. Yeah. And and probably would have way overextended ourselves and got into a, probably got into a fair bit of trouble because you'd be looking at 1%. The difference between 1% on 5%, we all know, is massive. It's massive. Yeah. And so I think it's a blessing to be like, A, it does happen, i.e. interest rates do go up and can go up quickly. And I think that's something I'll always now have in any big financial decision over the next over my life it's kind mm. of like that was a defining kind of moment and it's like okay the advantage of being at kind of the top of a rate cycle fingers crossed over the next 20 years or so you would imagine we would benefit from that rate cycle hopefully going down again yeah Fingers crossed. That I don't was know from, about that. <laughs> but you know what I mean. I don't like, think we're going from three and a half back to. We one. We won't go back to one. Yeah. No. But uh, well, three and a half is cash rate in mortgage rates at the yeah. moment of five and a half. Yeah. So like, I think it's a blessing to be honest in that it's made us much more conservative with what we probably would have been. So you mentioned that you had gone through the pre-approval process. If you don't mind sharing, where are you at with it now? How are you feeling about it? Uh, right now, uh, we actually checked out a place last night that was great. Well, not last night. When was it? That's why you had to leave our meeting early. Uh-huh. <laughs> so much for mother-in-law. <laughs> no, that was her birthday, the night before. Uh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, night Order. before. <laughs> um, and Harriet and my in-laws went and checked it out again today. So we have pre-approval. We've checked out a number of places. This is probably the closest we've been to finding a place. Uh, but it has a massive development site right next to it that is like has been a development site for 10 years and hasn't moved from that. Day you get the keys. Day we get the keys, the bulldozer rolls in. Yeah. It's just like that for me is just one. It's like how, how, what is the risk that we're willing to take on that? Because mm. it's the biggest financial decision that we're likely to make and God, I will be freaking angry if in a year's time it, the development sign goes up and you're like. Is that, is that going to be a constant stressor? If you buy it for, and then every yeah. day you're like, every day. is it going to be today? <laughs> I know, I know. It's today <laughs> the day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, 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 the ideal scenario here and what I keep telling Harriet is that in five years, Equity Mates is going to be absolutely cruising. 
we may exit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, potential buyers and we'll are tuning move in. On. We'll move on. <laughs> and then we'll be able to afford the three houses next door as well. <laughs> well, yeah. You'll buy the developments. Yeah. The pre-approval process was an interesting one. Um, I think what I think... It was eye-opening to see how it happens mm. and how the number that you're given is not the, actually the number that you can afford and I think it's bullshit. The, they, they just go, okay, what's your combined income? Roughly times that by five. Subtract if you've got hex debt, if you've got credit cards or whatever. Okay, your, your um, capacity. capacity is yeah. X. But then if you plug that into how much are my repay- repayments on a mortgage going to be, it's like w- way out of our league of being able to repay it. And so it's like why in the first instance is the mortgage brokers even giving you the idea that you can afford mm. this as your capacity? It's just not your capacity. Mm. So then you you can see how people get into a position of going, hell yeah, we got this. Yeah. Let's go out. It's a funny one. Like you try and are you unpick that. Uh, and it's there's a few layers to it because you're like, well, why the mortgage broker is giving you that number? But then, like, why are the banks lending it to you? Yeah, ex- yeah. yeah. Well, the mortgage brokers give you that number because their incentive is to give you the biggest loan yeah. possible. Because yeah. mm. they get a commission. <laughs> they get yeah, a commission yeah, yeah, yeah. on the loan for the entirety of the loan. And if you can't afford it, then you probably have to refinance it at some point. Yeah, and I, yeah, exactly. Mm. And I know the banks do their due diligence when – so the mortgage broker goes, yep, they then go to the bank at the time of the purchase, I think. They then re-look at your finances, but nothing's going to change between two months ago when we got it and now. Mm. And so it's on us to get the spreadsheet out and be like, what can we actually afford here combined with our expenses, combined with what, what, what might happen over the next five mm. years in our lives? Yeah, equity mates go bust, like, do you have a kid? Yeah, do we like, have the emergency yeah, fund? Yeah. What's ha- what happens if Harriet takes a year off for materni- maternity leave? If I then have a mortgage, can I handle that mortgage? Like that's not discussed with you with a mortgage broker. Mm. They just go, here's your money let us know when you find a place. Mm. So it's like, it's kind of bullshit. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit concerning, isn't it? <laughs> so it's almost as if uh, personal financial advice should be accessible and affordable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So all of those things combine to, I think, a ex- super exciting experience, but mm. one that is like, you know, brings a level of stress. Well. And I, I've just got to say I am outraged that we're not making content about it. What, my property journey? Yeah. <laughs> we just did. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's what's stressing me. And it, I, it's funny. Were you going to say that I – did you think I was going to do equity, mate? No, I knew you were going to do oh, okay. house. Because yeah, the running yeah. joke is every month I tell oh, Ren yeah. how stressed I am that Equity Mates is going to run out of money. The amount yeah, of times he's like told I've me. heard you say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's, he's the boy that cried wolf. I still remember <laughs> I was up in Sydney a few months ago working in the office one day and the power went off and we thought like someone, do you remember that? And yeah, someone yeah. came around and we were like, have we run out of money? <laughs> <laughs> just to be clear for those that are listening, we are okay. Well, no, that was just me doing... Cost cutting measures. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for anyone listening, if you would like to sponsor us to keep our lights on, <laughs> Bryce at equityrates.com. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I think the stress with that obviously comes that we have eight people working for us. That's, mm. the, that's the stress. Mm. Yeah. And that, um, that, uh, that is one that I do. I think it's. I think it's been such a. It's been such a consistent level of stress that it's now normal. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's so the baseline. <laughs> that's the baseline. Yeah. All right. 
Ren, can you please read aloud your three prompts? Sure. Uh, what's one money mistake you keep making? What's the... What <laughs> 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 <Light> react? <laughs> Darcy's social media days. He's going to be like... <laughs> um, what's the biggest financial epiphany you've ever had? And then if you could make an investment with no financial risk, what would it be and why? Right. Part of me wants it. to do a Hamish Blake and answer all three. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what's one money mistake you keep on making? What's the biggest financial epiphany you've ever had? If you could make an investment with no financial risk, what would it be and why? I think the the answer to the last one is a little bit obvious. So I'll just say it, but then I'll answer the second one. Great. Make an investment with no financial risk. Uh, the speckiest of yeah. micro caps and make some money or equity mates. Ah. If I knew that equity mates wasn't going to fail, what would I do? What, I oh, know. can we unpack that? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, I don't know. Probably not work as hard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a long time. I mean, what would you do if you knew we weren't going to fail? Like, does that mean we have unlimited capital? No, it just means everything's going to be okay. Oh, everything's going to be okay. Oh, well, we'd definitely be doing FinFest 2023. Yeah, true. In true. Full, in full, full pelt. I would be so hard on AFL spots. podcast. Oh, uh, I, I, yeah, I'd do an <laughs> AFL podcast for sure. Um, but like one ad spot. I think what we'd do, yeah, is there'd just be le- way less focus on commercialising content. Yeah. And we'd probably be truly following the content that we just want to do every single episode. Mm. Yeah. Oh, we would have like 20 minute long intros and we'd just be chatting as well. Like yeah. <laughs> all of the like the media lessons that we've learned over the years would just throw out the door. Out the yeah, yeah, and probably... Expand overseas somehow. Go overseas and try and expand overseas. Yeah, Equimates Indonesia. Yeah, Equimates Indonesia. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Good question. Um, it's actually the one you're actually going to pick. Biggest financial epiphany I've ever had. The first financial epiphany I had was when I was living with Bryce and I was introduced to the stock market. That was, a, in hindsight, a big sort of turning point for me, learning about this whole world, the opportunity there, getting my head around just how big an opportunity it is compared to other ways to build wealth as a near broke uni student. So yeah. can you take us back? How old were you? Where were you living? Paint the picture. Uh, how old? Were, I would have been 25, no, 24, when 23. When we met? No, no, when we live. Uh, so we met when I was 18. But we weren't really, yeah, yeah. We weren't really talking about stocks while we were at college. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Definitely weren't. Yeah. It was, and then when we lived together, it would have been like 22. Yeah. 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 23. And I don't know how it started. Me either. Yeah. Were you in Melbourne? Canberra. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the first, but I think the biggest has been this idea that, no one in the financial community, well, no one in financial media really talks about this idea of enough. What is doing enough as a young person? How much do we need to invest to live the life that we want? 
And I think it's a product of so much of financial media comes out of the institutional world. And there's no such thing as enough in the institutional world. Like your job is to make the extra basis point, make beat the index by more and more. And like if you can get more, you take more. And mm. then like in that world, in the world of high net wealth and stuff like that, like money, uh, yearly returns, all of that eventually just becomes a way to keep score. And it's a little bit divorced from like why we actually need to invest and why everyone should be investing. And I'm sure if I had a financial advisor, there would be a lot more conversation around like, here's what you need to do. You can be confident that you're doing enough. Go and live your life. But that just doesn't really come through in, it didn't really come through in financial media, but it should. Because I think that more than anything turns so many people off investing. Investing looks like this like deep, cavernous rabbit hole that you just have to jump in head first and like keep falling down and it becomes all consuming whereas really it's the shallowest of pools that you can just dip your toe in and then keep walking. So as someone who has now built a business in the financial media space and who I guess is trying to create an alternative to the traditional finance media out there have you figured out what is enough? So I think there's there's a few different answers to this question. I think the the simplest answer is a number of retirement organisations around the world quantify how much money you need in retirement. And so enough is just taking the market's average return. How much do I need to invest today to get there by the time I want to retire? These days, I, I can't recall the numbers off the top of my head, but you're looking at it, like one and a half million is kind of like today what a good number is if you own your own home to live a comfortable retirement in your super account or your pension account or um, your 401k in the US. And so then you just work back from there and you say markets average 8% a year over the long term and what does that look like? And the number becomes pretty manageable. Like if you're investing a couple hundred dollars a month, if you're in your 20s and you're investing a couple hundred dollars a month in a index fund, you're doing enough. And then like over time, you'll earn more, you can invest more, but just be confident that doing that now, live your life, financial life confident that you're setting yourself up for retirement. So yeah, I don't know if that's a real epiphany, but I think it's just something that I felt was lacking from the way that I thought about money. And now for me, everything that I do outside of that, because I still invest in individual stocks and I still want to make that extra basis point and, you know, I still want to do all those things. Um, but for me, it's like I now think of that as that's more than enough. Mm. And I've done the enough part of it. I think one part of that fact around the number um, for retirement that I always find really interesting is that point about around if you own your own home, because that I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is taking into account or assuming that you've paid off your mortgage by this point. So you're essentially not paying rent or a mortgage in any way possible. And I just wonder whether, you know, in the past that's been quite a realistic expectation, probably fair to say, in previous generations, but I wonder if it will be the same more broadly for our generation. We've got a lot of content around this. We've got a book on this concept coming out later this year. Um, And so when we were researching it, it is universal. It's not just an Australian thing that the, um, like the retirement planners and the organisations and associations all say, if you own your own home, this is how much you need. It's across all Western countries. It's just assumed. 
mainland Europe is probably the example where like there's much more of a renting culture and honestly I couldn't tell you what the numbers are in Germany and stuff like that but um yeah I don't know what it would look like because it would the number would blow out you would Mm. think yeah I I love being curious and building things and working so for me it's like I'm more than happy to work up into the retirement age and I'm pretty confident that I'm going to keep working well past the retirement age so I, I I don't have a number where I'm like just got it just 30 more years I'll get to 60 and I'll be able to call it so I'm not super worried about that again back to this concept of enough for me it's like I would love to get to that point as soon as possible just so it's like stresses off the table yeah but I'm also very mindful to Bryce's earlier point that I'm in this like golden period now where I'm not married I don't have kids and I don't have a mortgage and so it's like it's on me right now to make the most of this time and invest as much as possible because very quickly that money is going to go elsewhere. So you touched on how at this stage in your life you're child free, you've got the ability to, you know, really try and invest, I guess, in your future self. How do you balance that with this notion of like being in your being young, being in your 20s or 30s and wanting to make the most of these years and really like live your life, whether it be travel or spending time with friends? It doesn't cost a lot of money to spend time with friends to start this with. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's a good question. People often paint it as a dichotomy. It's mm. like I have to either uh, have – I can have fun now and have no money or I can get serious with money and then not have any fun now and have and you know hopefully have fun later. I don't think it's a dichotomy. I think if I look back on my life, when I was – the loosest with money I was also I like didn't have the means to do anything I was just for me getting serious or like learning about investing understanding the value of a dollar has meant that I've had more money to do things that I want to do now like travel and stuff like that and it's also just a product of you know as we get older we make more money and so it feels like that a little bit but I think it's like if you if you get serious and you you pay attention to your money it's not like it's all going to go to investing. It's also going to go to that travel savings account. It's also, you know, going to go to that Bryce's house deposit account that he's mm. built up. It's it's going to it's it's an enabler for everything that you want to do. It's an, an enabler for the life you want to live in the future, but it's also an enabler for the fun you want to have now. And I think so for me it's not like it's a false dichotomy. It's the the choice is actually between just being loose with your money and not being able to do anything now and in the future or being intentional with your money and being able to do more now and more in the future. Makes sense. Thank you both for your vulnerability and for embracing today's episode. I do want to end with one quick fire question for each of you and it is, I would like it to be quick, what is your top money green flag and what is your top money red flag straight off the top of your head? Like in a relationship? Sure. Is that is that the idea? Yeah, let's do that. That's fun. Mine fits both. <laughs> okay. Discipline. Ah. How is that? Green explain? flag. <laughs> D- discipline. Green flag. Undisciplined. No discipline. Red flag. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I like I don't want to just copy Bryce. Like we're very similar, but I feel like it's like overall vibe towards money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. I know, I think... Um, like an appreciation? Yeah, and just like, you know... Like, Likes nice things. Have you, <laughs> have you got your shit together? Do you... Yeah. Okay. Wait, like, do you... 
how do you think about money? Do mm. you think about money? But honestly, like, it's not a... Mm, I, I think I think about money enough for multiple people. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know. Like, you we do it for a job. It. We speak about it all the time. Like, for me, a relationship doesn't isn't made or broken by that. Nice. I don't know. I think from a relationship point of view, if it's something that you've got to be on the same page with before you yeah. there's any level of commitment. I mm. think now that I've said that, I actually probably disagree with myself. I just probably... <laughs> it's not about vibes. <laughs> no, no, no. About it doesn't make or break it. Um, yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right, Bryce. Well, that was certainly different. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I yeah? Think, I think it was good. And, and I think we should say that if you're listening at home and interested in contributing a question this is something i think that um we will weave into the the format of equity mates over time yeah well i think we'll do the segment again yeah so So hit us up at uh, contact at equitymates.com and our producer sasha will make sure that uh, any of your questions um Finance related, or are we opening up? Let's go finance. Well, related. I think we can't open it up too much because <laughs> then, then we're just, just <laughs> ripping the imperfects off more than we already are. Yeah, so let's just keep it finance related. But um, yeah, that was that was good. I did enjoy it. Yeah, bit of a different uh, bit of a different segment. Well, Bryce, let's take a quick break, and then after the break, we're going to talk about the do's and don'ts in investing in companies that are being acquired or doing some acquiring and also explain how the pricing of ETFs works. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Who you, who you, who you going to call? Hello, your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Leave your question after the tone and equity mates will answer it. Hey, equity mates. Uh, try and keep pretty... Hey, equity mates. I've heard you guys talk about this before. Hey, equity mates. But I'm always forgetting... So, I got pretty excited when I first hey, started equity mates. So You're always talking about investing globally. It's the Equity Mates listener mailbag. Visit equitymates.com forward slash contact us and leave us a voice message and we might be answering your question on a future episode. All right, Bryce, well, we're back and we've got some listener questions that we're going to answer for the rest of this episode. As we get more professional as podcasters, we've also got segment openers. (laughs) All right, so we've got a couple of questions here from the community to get stuck into. First one is from Riley. G'day, Equity Mates. Riley here. 
Recently, I found your podcast and have really enjoyed your 12 uh, steps to get started investing and your Get Started Investing series. I've yet to start my investing journey, but I'm really close thanks to you guys. My question is, if there are rumors of a company being brought or sold, is it a good idea to be purchasing stocks from that company or would it be better to invest in the company that is making the purchase? Alternatively, what happens if you own stocks from a company that has just been brought out? Thanks, guys. Nice. Thanks, Riley. And uh, congrats on getting through the 12 episodes and almost starting your investing journey. Some big questions there for someone who's just uh, just kicking into the market, um, but some valid questions. And I think my first overall answer, Ren, is don't try and play the market based on rumors. Okay. Silly, silly thing to do. <laughs> uh, I can understand where this comes from though. Like you'll often see a rumor of a company being bought and then that company's share price absolutely run up uh, and you can see the temptation of trying to be involved in that. But my point of view is it's a fraught game to try and be buying companies based on rumor and you'll often find that your information flow is not the first person to find that rumor. So any sort of share price uh, has been sort of baked in and you're going to miss any massive massive run-up, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I think you've covered rumours, but I think there's a bigger question around just when it's not a rumour anymore. When uh, it's been announced to the market that an acquisition's happening, uh, how do you invest? Or if you own stocks, how should you manage it? Um, and there's a whole world of investing and a whole investing strategy called merger arbitrage. And basically what that style of investing says is, when an announcement is no longer, when an acquisition is no longer a rumor, when it's, you know, it's in play, and Equity Mates has said they're going to acquire Commonwealth Bank for a hundred dollars a share, um, the Commonwealth Bank share price will run up, and it will get close to a hundred dollars, but not quite there. And as the deal gets more and more certain, as it gets regulatory approval, as Equity Mates gets its financing in order, and the Commonwealth Bank shareholders vote for the takeover, the share price will get closer and closer to $100. And that indicates the the increased likelihood that the deal goes through. And so there's a whole world of investing and there's a whole, you know, there's heaps of content we could do on it. But if that is something that you're interested in, that is a rabbit hole you can go down. Not something you need to worry about, especially as a new investor. So I think... Um, if you own shares in a company that's getting acquired, it's much of a muchness. You could sell it before the acquisition happens and get most of that money back or you could hold right until the company's acquired and then get shares in the acquirer company or get your money back, uh, like get, the, get your money. I've, I generally have just held. Like we owned Slack back in the day and it got acquired by Salesforce. Um, and we got share. I got shares in Salesforce. What After paying block. Did you get? Well, hold on. With Slack, did you hold? And do you have Salesforce? I didn't buy Slack. Didn't you after HM One? No. Remember when um, TDM pitched it? No, I didn't buy it. Okay. No. You tricked me. I don't think I. Yeah, no, I didn't. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. After paying block, what did you do when you owned Afterpay and then block sold Afterpay? You sold Afterpay. Yeah. 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 Didn't want block. Didn't want block, and it was also a yeah no I sold Afterpay. After the news of the acquisition, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's if you own shares in a company that's being acquired. 
And then just on the, if a company is acquiring, like if you owned Block in that example and it was acquiring Afterpay, I don't think you, the only reason you should do something is if it changes your investment thesis. But if you invested in Block because you believed that digital payments are going to take over the US and that their square um, operating system is like a great solution for small and medium-sized businesses, your investment thesis doesn't change if they buy Afterpay. So in that case, you don't have to do anything. Mm. Yeah. So a few aspects to it. Yeah. Long and the short of it is you don't have to do anything. A lot of investing, you just don't <laughs> have to do anything. No, you yeah. Don't. Let your companies go to work. Yeah, just buy for the long term. Yeah. Let them, let them chill out. Nice. Well, thanks, Riley. Keep the questions com- coming. Our second question is from Bailey. G'day, guys. So I've just read the ETF section of your book and I'm looking at um, investing in Australia's top companies. Now, I'm looking at the VAS from Vanguard, which is the top 300 companies. Um, a management fee of 0.1% currently and around $90 trading. Um, but I've also looked at better shares, which is the top 200 companies. Um, it only has a management fee of 0.04%, but it's at $120. So I'm a little unsure why there's such a big price difference. Um, obviously, we want the lower fees, but I'm just stuck um, which way to go. Nice. Thanks, Bailey. Uh, this is something that does confuse a lot of people when they when they first start investing in ETFs and comparing ETFs, they're comparing the price of ETFs is not the way to compare ETFs. And why that is, is because the starting price of an ETF is uh, is highly arbitrary. Yeah, it is the, just set. The ETF provider says, we're launching an ETF and the units are going to be priced at this. And so if you go, if you look at, Vanguard Australia, one of the two ETFs that Bailey just spoke about, you can see that its starting price back in 2009 was $50 mm. a unit. And uh, BetaShares A200, when they listed that in 2018, they started at $100 a unit. Yeah. And so those two starting prices were the starting prices. And then over time, the ETF has moved with the Australian market. But that's why the price is different. Yeah. So it is no indication of one performing better than the other. Don't use price as a comparison. The two other things that you mentioned there, uh, Bailey, around management fee and underlying holdings is actually the more important things to be thinking about. And the clear difference between the two, as you already noted, was VAS is top 300 companies. So it's Australian shares. And the beta shares is A200, the ASX 200, so the top 200 shares. So it's actually got uh, different underlying holdings and is going to be, based on that, have different performance. Yeah. So the, the question you really need to answer, Bailey, is do I want exposure to the top 300 or the top 200? And that will probably guide this decision more than one is priced at $90 and one is 120 which should I be going? Mm. Management fee was the other thing you mentioned there and, you know, the both of their management fees are incredibly low. Mm. Beta shares is the lowest in the market. Um, someone came for that crown and cut their fees and then beta shares cut even further to maintain the lowest. Realistically, it is a basis point or two. Um, so you're not making a bad decision with either one. What's probably going to drive the performance more is what you were speaking about, Bryce. The 
A200 has more of the big companies, more of BHP, more of CSL, more of Commonwealth Bank because it's a little bit more concentrated, mm. whereas Vanguard's 300 will give you access to the some of the smaller and potentially up-and-coming companies in tiny percentages of the ATF, but you know maybe you get the, a bit of their growth a little bit earlier, but mm. tiny, tiny percentages. Mm. They're very similar ETFs. They are. You're not going to make a bad decision choosing between these two ETFs. I think that's a fair comment. Yeah. There's no bad decision here. No. And I think that's the confusing thing when it comes to investing is like it it is so hard to – you're putting your own money on the line and it's so confusing. There's so much jargon. There's so much unknowns. But like just be confident that you've you've identified two good ETFs to build a core portfolio around. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So a massive thanks to Riley and Bailey both for submitting your questions. Keep them coming. Um, head to equitymates.com slash contact to leave a voice message or if we can't get to it, there are plenty of people in the Facebook community um, who are able to help uh, along your investing journey. So head to the Facebook group if you're not already a member. But Ren, that does bring us to the end. Um, we've got Ask an Advisor coming up this Thursday with uh, one of our good friends uh, and very quality financial planner and advisor, Jacob. Uh, we're getting in him in to answer some questions around how he'd invest 10,000, whether or not you should pay off hex faster now that the indexation is up. And he shares some of the strategies he's seen some of his wealthiest clients put in place. So that drops on Thursday. Super excited to continue our Ask an Advisor series. Uh, But Ren, as always, absolute pleasure. We'll pick it up next week. Sounds good. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.